What's up, party people? You know one of the worst things about being a self-employed performer? That's right, it's your tax. If you're sick and tired of collecting all your receipts and guessing your way through your tax rebate, well, I know the people that can remove the stress and make it as simple as five, six, seven, eight. That's right, it's Theat Accounts. They're an accounting company that specialize in working with performers. So they know all the things that we can claim back and it's so simple. You upload your invoices and bank statements to their website and they do all the work for you. It's cheap, it's easy, and once you try it, I guarantee you will not regret it. It has changed my tax life. Just email info at theataccounts.co.uk. That's theat, T-H-E-A-T, accounts. So again, that's info at theataccounts.co.uk. Make sure you tell them you're from the Ins and Outs podcast and you'll get some five-star VIP treatment. You will get treated like a king. Honestly, they've changed my life. They've made it so much easier. They've removed the stress from tax and they can do the same for you. Boom. What's up guys, recently I've been working with an incredible company called Quiet Media. Quiet Media create beautiful video reels, vocal reels, self-tapes, music videos and many, many more. So if you're looking to capture your idea on a video or via audio, then Quiet Media is for you. Go to quietmedia.co.uk or find them on Instagram at quiet underscore media. That's quietmedia.co.uk or at quiet underscore media. Also, don't forget to tell them that you're from the Ins and Outs podcast to receive that special luxury treatment. I promise you, you will not regret investing in this company to help you capture your imagination or your creativity. That's quietmedia.co.uk. Pow! The Ins and Outs podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs podcast, I speak to professional dancer, choreographer, and studio owner, Teresa Espinoza. Teresa has worked for everyone. She's worked for Prince, Janet, Brittany, and many, many more. And in this episode, she tells us a little bit about her journey. We talk about the current state in LA. We talk about her training and what got her into the industry and what made her stand out from other dancers. We speak about her time on ABDC with Beat Freaks. And we talk about what is happening with uh, Legacy Studios, also known as Debbie Reynolds Dance Studios. I had a great time chatting to Teresa. She's a very, very inspiring person and I look up to her a lot. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Here is Teresa Espinoza. Boom, we're in. Hello, friend. How are you? Good. How are you, Kane? I'm, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. I've not seen you in a very long time. I know. It's been maybe years. <laughs> yeah. How, how have you been? I've been great. Uh, obviously, this year has been challenging. You know, it, challenging interesting um uh, i i like it <laughs> <laughs> i think it's definitely helping us grow right yes you know absolutely in one in one way or another yes um maybe yes. not in the in the directions that we were planning but i feel like right. it's definitely made everyone uh expand yes i mean thinking back to the beginning of 2020 and, you know, all those New Year resolutions that we all have and everyone's posts are so optimistic and 2020 is my year. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then someone was like, gotcha. <laughs> oh my God. Not today. It, it literally feels yeah. like we are living in like the Truman show. Yeah. You know, I, I think I've seen that once a long time ago. I don't know. Yeah. Please, somebody's... please go and watch it. Please go and watch okay. it. Okay. Okay. Somebody's it's, in yeah, control. I feel like someone's in control of <laughs> our destiny yeah. right now. And it's not. Yeah. Us. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, but I've seen you've been, uh, I guess, very productive. You've been doing lots of lives, doing lots of like mindset things. Yeah. I can see your, yeah. your whiteboard of what looks like very useful information behind you. Um, so you've yeah. been keeping busy. I have. I have. I So I'm in my brainstorm room. I got this idea from a friend of mine named Liz Lizzie Richardson. She's also a dancer. And we're we're very into affirmations and positive thinking and changing your mindset. And she had talked about, I had connected with her last year and she had talked about creating a brainstorm room. And I was like, ah, oh, that sounds so cool. I'm going to do that too. And I have a second, very small second bedroom mm -hmm. and it's become that. And I have two other whiteboards with other here. Let me just show you if my computer will. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then this is in front of me. That's a lot of ideas, yeah. Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> now it's called execute. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you explain to me? What do you do in that room? You just go in. Is, do you have like a ritual? Do you have like a, do you create a kind of like a, I guess you go in and meditate and write stuff down. Like, what is it for you? Good question. You know, you bringing up the idea of ritual. I, to be honest, my, okay. I do. I guess I do have one. I have this rainbow neon light that I have to turn on. And when I turn that on, that means I'm, I go to work, you mm. know, and, and not go to work as in I dread work, but, you know, just put focus and attention on whatever I need to happen um, for myself and my brand and being of service. So really, that's what I'm really trying, not trying. That's what I'm really tapping into is how to be of service at the same time, stepping into my own greatness. And so part of that knowing and understanding is that my greatness lies in being of service. Mm. And so this room really represents doing that, putting in the work and the time and the energy and getting focused. Um, as far as meditation, I do that in the living room. I have, a, I have my crystals and my yoga mat my meditation app and I've been regularly meditating every morning around 6:37 sometimes 7:30 but um when you give yeah. yourself a lay in yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. cuz I see every day or most days that I always see you put on Instagram you crossing that bridge crossing the highway and in my head I go I wonder yeah. if she's taking the dogs for a walk I am. I, I just I assume because I always that's see it. And I'm like, hilarious. that's the only reason like you do the same trip every day, especially now. Like, it's not like yeah. you're going to work. So I was like, she must be walking her dogs and that must be like the route. It is. It is because that's so you're so that's super stalkerish. Yes. Right, but... <laughs> no, no, no. It's so good. No, what's funny is I stopped kind of doing it because I was like, uh, is this for me? You know what I mean? And maybe it is for me. I don't know, but it, it has it has become a ritual. It's part of my morning thing. I do walk the dogs. That's the path I cross. And it's almost like I put the timestamp on it to almost to remember, you know, I don't know why. 
I put a time on it and it's like, this is the time. This is my time. Because the know. first few times I thought I saw it and I was like, maybe it's a me- maybe it means something. You know, maybe there's like a deeper <laughs> philosophy to this. And then it was it was quite regular. And I was like, yes, he's got dogs. <laughs> I was like, people yes, walk yes. their dogs in the morning. It's definitely walking yes. dogs. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that direction, it goes towards the mountains, uh, the Burbank Mountains. Mm-hmm. And so I see this big mountain and I don't feel like I'm in LA. I feel I'm in this little town with these, you know, I, I'm in nature. Um, yeah. How is so LA, I, right? I enjoy it. LA. Um, is it kind of getting cold. back on his feet or not at all? Mm, it's interesting. And it depends on what area you're talking about, you know, the restaurant business and gyms um business small businesses obviously i mean i know that's news right now mm. uh, but they're being shut down and mandated to play safe which i there's a part of me that understands that and then the other part is using my critical thinking mind going something's not adding up yeah I, i'm always living in that critical thinking place right now it's hard not to. I mean, I think there are people that accept what the news is telling us and what the government's saying and what the WHO and the CDC. And we trust in other people outside of us to tell us what's right for us. And then there's another group of people that go, no, you know, I can use my own mind. I can add two and two and see that it doesn't equal five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I can I can sense you know there's a lot of fear mongering I can I mean I don't have to be an expert to tune in to my own personal truth and I and that's really what I I want to help people do you know Mm. I'm one I feel lucky and blessed to have found that for myself and a lot of that stemmed from dance the ability to find my voice and find my my what's authentic for me through dance. Hmm. And that now just carries on in life. You know, if you're a studio dancer who only takes and receives other people's information and you don't know who you are as a dancer, that's why they feel lost and anxious. And they're like grasping at straws because they don't know who they are. And they think, well, well, they know the direction. So I'm going to follow them and I'm going to do what they do, Mm. you know, and they get caught up in, well, why isn't it working for me? Well, it's not working for you because you don't know who you are. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess it's what we're taught now, right? It's like always guidance from the people ahead of you or above you, as opposed to maybe figure it out on your own. I think there's, it's a, it's half and half, right? So yes, there are people that have figured it out ahead of us, right? That, Mm -hmm. that the generation before and, and even if they are the generation before, are they or did they live that? You know, we we got to be really mindful of what are they offering? You know, mm. um, is it substance or is it surface? And and there's there's room for both, right? Mm-hmm. And to be aware enough to go, oh, this is really surfacey dance. Fine, I, you know, there's a part of me that likes that, and I'm attracted to that, and I want to do that. But then the other conscious aware part of myself goes, but I need more. Mm. I need something more meaningful. 
Yeah, when you say the uh, surface dancing, uh, can you explain what you mean by that? For someone who wouldn't know what the difference is, because to some people they'll be like, maybe they're at the beginning of their journey and they won't understand what that means. Surface dancing to me is following the trends. So doing a whip right and now, a nene. Doing, doing a nene, doing the whip. That's probably not uh, even in fashion anymore, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you, yeah, yeah, you, the woe, the woe. Doing couple dances on TikTok or reels. Yeah. And then when and, you say the deeper dancing, do you mean, uh, I guess, the things that have more of a carryover, like a foundation or a specific style? I wouldn't call it a specific style. I would say something that is an expression of that person, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a version where you could say, well, TikTok and Reels is my expression, right? It's hard it, th because then it becomes judgment, right? Mm -hmm. It's no longer, um, what, you know, I, I can be on the outside and think, oh, that's very surfacy. But for them, it's like, oh, I'm expressing myself. But they might not know that they're thinking they're expressing themselves because everybody else is expressing expressing themselves in that way and following and that a trend following a trend doing what instead of is. yes instead of going how do i want to dance what medium do i want to use hmm. like what do i want to say what do i want to express how do i feel what music am i gravitating towards and no and and it really takes a lot of awareness to go into that deeper place and that's where the satisfaction is mm. that's where that's where the creativity really is and i'm not saying there isn't some creativity in doing tiktoks and reels and couples dancing together because they had to create it right there mm. is that but that again it's can seem very surfacy because it's the same thing. Yeah. For me, I, I'm I'm not against this like new, as we said, surface level dancing. But right. when it's like my little cousin or like when I see non-dancers doing it. But for me, when I see like people who've like had an incredible career and I look at you and I'm like, you've toured the world with the biggest artists. And like you've lived every every 18 year old who's never done that's dream, you know, like and I idolize you. And then I see you're doing a TikTok dance where you're just doing these weird arm things. And, and I, I struggle to figure out the reason why, you know, like what, what, what are you gaining from this? Is, all you're gaining is someone's just tapping a button to give you a like, because to me, you're the, they're more than that. I am with you a thousand percent because you, we know that the people we look up to and aspire, uh, or we can relate to their their level of performance ability and and as dancers, right? We can recognize like they're they're super top notch people. Well, we see and, the, qual dancers. And the quality of quality. What they yes, right. So we see that we and we know they are better than that. Mm. Like genuinely, there are people out there that are incredible, the best of the best dancers, and they're dumbing themselves down 
They're cater- dumbing their talent. Yes, to, to cater, cater to the popper, popular. Yeah, right? to an audience which would know no different. You know, I feel like they yeah. cater to an audience who maybe don't really understand dance, but it's just a hobby as opposed to, I don't know. Right. I, it's just hard for me because I see people who like bust their ass to get to this, right. you know, the best of the best. And I'm like, why are you right. doing that? Like, what is it fulfilling? Right. You know, is it fulfilling you or is or is someone's reaction fulfilling you? That's a good question. I mean, I I I can't answer that because no, I, me I, either, I, what I I don't know. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know, but it's weird. I don't know the answer. Right, right. And and there's people that I highly, highly respect, and I see them doing that, and I'm just like, oh, is it for like you're saying? Is it for the likes? Is it for the popularity? So that the more likes they have, the more. Um, uh, ability and opportunities open up for them mm-hmm. monetarily, you know, and that's, yeah, they, that's they real talk. Brand. Right. Right. Cause essentially we um, are at a place now where the more followers, the more likely you are to get an opportunity. Right. And you know, we right. come, we come from a time before that was even a thing. Right. So that's what's right. so strange, right. Is that we've seen the right. crossover where now that is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are some people that are doing it and, and they have their platform and they've built it with their own integrity. And I, I so I think there are people that are doing that as well. Um, the other thing I see, especially for women, right, in the in our demographic, right, in the dance mm-hmm. world there's always been that version of, of girls or women that, you know, use their body to get a job mm-hmm. because, because sex sells, right. Yeah. And, yeah, it's the and industry we're in dances you know? very right. Right. So there's, there's kind of this version where you can't get around that as a woman and, or as a guy, right. You have to be fit. I think that paradigm has shifted over the last few years where the idea of what sexy is as a woman has expanded, right. And Mm -hmm. evolved. So now you have, you know, heavier set women, um, dancing for Rihanna and, uh, what's her name? The, oh gosh, that artist. I know who you're on about, but I can't Lizzo. Lizzo. There you go. Lizzo. Right. And they're, they're, they're shifting the perception that, you know, where where you used to have have to be you know really fit and tiny and thin right and look the the industry's part of as a dancer mm-hmm. but that idea of what a dancer is can mean anything now yeah right and um it, i i appreciate that i appreciate the openness that the industry has has you know really just expanded its idea of of what's hot mm. What's sexy? What's attractive? Um, but then the other side that I was trying to say was, you know, a lot of women in our industry wear bras and panties on Instagram and then try to put a, a quote underneath to make it make sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> to justify it. To justify, hey, look at me, look at my body. And that's fine if you want people to do that. And and trust me, if you're young or you're not young and you still have a hot body, fuck, show it off. You know what I mean? Like who, you know, but but be honest with yourself. 
are you doing it for you or are you to fulfill something for yourself or are you doing it for the gratification? Because at the same time, we are in a profession where we cater to an audience, like we perform to the masses, we perform to an audience, we love a, a cheer, like we know there's nothing better than a standing ovation, there's nothing better than an applause. So is this a new virtual applause by getting lots of love? Yeah, hearts, you know? oh, that's good, that's good. I mean, I would I would have to say, yeah, and, and you know, it's it's easy to get a following naked. That's yeah. easy. That's super easy. Put on some makeup, some eyelashes, some lipstick and bra and panties every day and put free, a quote. Free you're, you're, you're golden. I'm, I'm telling anybody who wants to get build a that's easy. That's like easy. Right. But that's empty. It's empty because you're not really expressing yourself. You're 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 looking for external validation. And th this right? is really interesting coming from you, having been someone who's part of the creative team for a show, which <laughs> men being shirtless, <laughs> yeah. right? But but yes. but but that's the whole point of your show, right? That's the whole point uh, of Magic Mike yeah. is that it's not about just what what's the visual, right? That's a part of it. Right. Right. Yes. You, you, you're, you're right. It's, it's so funny. Yes. You're absolutely right. So going into the world of, of male reviews and stripping, mm -hmm. which is really what we did. Right. Yeah. So there's that aspect with style, but we, with style. Yeah. And we, we, we raised the bar, which the bar was pretty, pretty low, was very low. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's okay, you know, but, but we, we took that idea and said, how can we actually have intention? How can we be, um, how can we leave a lasting impression, a positive lasting impression? You know, the idea that men take off their shirts is one thing, and that's very surfacy, but the creation of it was very intentional and very deep, to be honest. Mm. And I think that's the thing that is intangible, intangible to the audience in a sense of they're going in thinking these guys are going to be hot and they're going to take the shirts off and they don't even realize they're walking into a show where they're going to have to think and they get to laugh and they go on this roller coaster and there's empowerment. And it's amazing that you're a woman and you get to choose and life is magic. You know, there's yeah. all these aspects that if you're, if it's your first time going to the show, you don't know that those layers are going to be there. Right. So, mm. um, yeah. What was it like being like creating that show? What was the process like? I can't imagine it was very straightforward. Definitely a process. So it took about two years to create the first show. And part of that was finding the right venue. And in that process, there was a lot of brainstorming with myself, Allison and Channing. And our first meeting was just the three of us mm -hmm. in a room and throwing out ideas. You know, well, what if we did, what if we had a fan? What if we had a bungee? What if we had, you know, gifts? You know, what, what do women want was basically how do we answer what do women want? What do they really want through this show? Mm -hmm. That was the basis of our 
of our creative process, everything went back to that question. What do women want? Mm. And so we allowed ourselves to expand our, our thinking of what has already happened and adding depth and layers to it. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's such a... Um because it's got such a stigma to the the kind of show that it was anyway you know like being as a male strip show it's got a stigma so i guess right. to level it up isn't too difficult but at the same time you need to keep like that it is what it says on the can right you know right 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 so yes the stigma is going to be there if you've never been to the show. Like, yeah, exactly. If you've never been to right. your show, but as a show in general, right. your brain's going to go, well, I know what is going to happen. Right. Exactly. So um, I think people, even men, even straight men who come to the show are pleasantly surprised. I had the best you time. I had, a, I had a lap dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did? Yeah, damn right. <laughs> who gave you one? Uh, Matt Pigeon. Uh, Matt Jordan okay. from the London show. I taught him okay, at college. Okay. So he gave me a lap dance. And I was like, you shouldn't be doing this to your teacher as I spanked him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's a fun show. It's a great sure. show. Yeah. Um, what I want to go to like the beginning of your journey because you're from Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. How yeah. did you get into dance? Like what, what gravitated you to dance? So I'm an 80s baby. Mm-hmm. And I grew up on Michael, Janet, Prince, Madonna. Those were my musical idols. And they all had some form of dance or performance aspect in their in their expression and, in, mm-hmm. you know, who they were. And, you know, I grew up on music videos. So MTV was huge, 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 huge back then. And I that's all I watched. I watched... I watched them, I watched all their music videos. And one of the first music videos I tried to learn dance and I didn't know, I'd never taken dance before, but I gravitated towards it was Lucky Star by by Madonna. And I had it on a VHS (laughs) and I rewound this one little section that's about two seconds long. And it's four, four counts. It's not even a whole eight count, it's four counts. And I rewound that part to learn how I'd never taken dance before, but I rewound it so many times so that I could learn four counts of dance steps. And I was just in awe, you know, growing up. And eventually I went to a performing arts junior high. So that was my first experience learning how to dance. And then I went into a performing arts high school in Dallas. And that led me to CalArts, which is in Valencia, California, which brought me to L.A., and after I went, like my last year in, in college, I started venturing into Hollywood at this club called the Roxbury. Mm-hmm. And the movie uh, Night at the Roxbury is based off of the, this real club. So that, oh, real, that club used to exist, yeah, on Sunset. And it was, it was the spot. So it had the perfect combination of famous celebrities and artists that would come to the club. It was like a perfect culmination of artists that came to the club, regular people that came to the club and commercial dancers, freestylers, uh, people that were in the industry. And 
this is where I met um, people like, I mean, let's see if you know any of these people. Um, well, this is a place where I met Tina Landon for the first time. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some of the dancers I danced with were Swoop, uh, Roro, Goofy, Punch, the Talawega brothers, Flowmaster. The goats. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, uh, the best of the best, you know, of the 90s, right? Mm. And let me turn this notification thing off. Um, yeah, and so those were my teachers. I I would I was one of the only females at the time jumping in circles with all these guys who are, are the best of the best. And I learned a lot. When you I, say they I, were your teachers, were, mm -hmm. we, were you learning off them in the clubs? Yeah. In the club scene? Yeah. Yeah. But I was also doing, I was taking class mm -hmm. as well. So I was learning traditional, uh, you know, modern ballet, jazz um, in, in college. So I was still in college and my background had that base. Um, <clears throat> but in, as far as freestyling, I learned a lot from just, you know, being around those guys. And I, I also used to dance for, and I'm sure you know, of raspberry jam, mm -hmm. Carrie from carnival. Yeah. And, uh, one of my performances in Hollywood at the time was with raspberry jam. It was myself and Carrie and this uh, girl named Lisa Kellogg. And the three of us did a number together and we all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> we were, he was messing up then, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so nothing's changed, but you know, I just, I just dove in that, that into the, into the industry. And I knew after I graduated, like I, I needed to stay in LA and pursue something in dance. I didn't realize it was going to be a career mm. at dance. I just gravitated towards it. And I, I just kept showing up. What, what, where, when was it where it became a career? Like, what was the introduction mm. to it being a job? Because I guess if you're surrounded by the Ta Talawega brothers and you're just jamming right. in the club, you know, like you're you're in the right circle <laughs> from right. the very beginning. Royo swoops, like you're yeah. there. What, what was the transition from it being from in a club to taking classes at a college or a university into doing it for a living? I didn't realize I had a career till years later, to be honest. I I finally looked back and said, oh, wow, I'm I'm making a living at dance. I didn't know I was doing it at the time. I was just doing it, you know, and, and mm. I, I just loved it so much. And I would always say, I'm not good at anything else. So this is it. <laughs> this is it for me. And uh, eventually, you know, couple, so that was about when I started going into Hollywood was about 96 ish, 95, 96. And then I, I was out of school and, uh, I started going to auditions, hearing things. And I finally auditioned for, well, I, it's a long, there's, there's so I'm, sometimes I forget like what order things happened, yeah. but one of my first big jobs was dancing for Prince I, in 1997, I believe. Six? 
No, maybe it was 96. Oh my God. I honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> That's crazy. One of the first ones for Prince. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I grew up on his music. I never imagined. And I you don't know it's a career yet. <laughs> like, no, I, I didn't. I didn't. Honestly, I did it. Um, I just wanted to be in a music video, to be mm. honest. I was like, oh, I just want to do a music video, duh, you know. Um, and I started going to auditions. I remember this one audition for the NAACP Image Awards for the artist George Clinton, mm -hmm. who is a funk legend, right? And there were so many girls there. And I what, what happened in that audition that was particularly of notice was I killed that audition. I had the whole room losing their freaking minds because I killed the routine mm. so hard. It was one of those moments where like, oh yeah, I fucking did it, right? And I'm gonna get this job. I did not get the job. Oh. I didn't get it. And then I just felt really good. I left that audition feeling really good. And then a couple of days later, a friend of mine who I rock circled circles with at Roxbury, Rob Vinson, he was dating Tina Landon at the time. He calls me up and he says, Hey, Tina wants to hire you for the NAACP image awards for Prince. This is like two, two or three days later. And I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> so I think I, I'm a big energy, spiritual person. And even though I didn't understand this thought process back then, my energy of going, wow, I felt really good. Mm. I left, even though I didn't get the job, I, I didn't, I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I was just like, oh, okay. You know, I, I know I did great. I did my best, right? The universe knows better than us. I didn't get that job so that I could actually go dance for freaking Prince, yeah. you know? Hold on one second. Bless you. Mm, allergies. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so the universe knows better than us, you know? And that was early on. Um, that was my first thing. What do you think it was that made you stand out from the other dancers? Because you said you killed it. Do you think, did you stand out in a certain way? Because knowing how you dance i know you're a very well-rounded dancer and you can you know you can do technical stuff you can do the feminine stuff but mm -hmm. you're not the the stereotypical girl dancer from yes. la you know yes. like you can yeah. get down you can break you can pop like you you can right. do all the what we would have said before everyone was woke the boy stuff <laughs> you know like i feel like you, it's you got to be careful now what we say but yeah. stereotypically you don't just mm -hmm. do all the girly dancing in a G-string and heels. Right. You can throw right. down and roast all the fellas. Do you feel like right. that was a big part of what made you stand out from everyone else? Absolutely. Because at the time, if you were a female dancer, you danced girly. Mm. And I was, I'm a tomboy. I've always been a tomboy since I was little, you know. And dancing with the boys is a different energy than obviously dancing as a, as a girl. Right. So my tomboy masculine energy, I was very comfortable in that place. So when it came time to any moment in any audition, 
before and after a routine, I was freestyling my face off. I just had that, uh, I don't know, that confidence. Honestly, it was a lot of confidence. Mm. I wouldn't call it cocky. It just, I believed in my ability. I believed that I was different because I was different because there weren't girls rocking circles with, there was only a hand few, right? Um, so I knew I had something different to offer as a female dancer than most girls, mm. you know? Um, and I just knew that that was my, that was my edge. Do you think that the confidence came from having to like, I guess, train and rock in circles? Cause when you're in a club and there's loads of dope people going in, it's not yeah. like, uh, it's either someone calling you out or it's you choosing to put yourself in the limelight as opposed to going, there's 30 of us in the room in a class and we're all in this, we're all equal. We're all learning the same right. thing and no one's watching specifically me. You know, it's right. such a different energy, right? To going in a circle and it, being like, watch me. I could be dope. I could be whack, but it's about the confidence right. to go in. Do you think that's where the, your confidence stem from? Definitely. Definitely the freestyling and battling and rock and circles like that that allowed me that's a practice mm. that kind of confidence is practiced yeah because i'm sure you understand that i'm sure you've seen it too where like you'll meet like the dopest dancers and you're like you give them a combo they can kill every single step and they look dope and as soon as you go freestyle it's like the dreaded word you know it's like mm -hmm. i've got to make the choices myself like right you know, it's that panic because it's the thing where i guess if you just take classes and that's your training, you don't train that that skill unless you specifically choose to train that skill. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think for a long time there were dancers who could do any bit of choreography and kill it. But when you said the word freestyle, they froze, mm. you know, and um, like you said, it's it's a practice. And. I think people have figured it out now. I, I think people are more in tune and understand that they get to be free. That's, that's why I loved it. Mm. So not only did I get to express myself and, and go into that, I really, what I was really doing was proving myself. I kept constantly feeling like I had to prove myself that I'm just as good as you guy. Mm. <laughs> whoever you are you yeah. know like I was in that constant mode so that really is why I kept I was a circle hog you know a guy would go then I would go a different guy would go then I would go it was annoying <laughs> <laughs> I was annoying but I was I was in that energy of, of passion and I just gotta do this you know um but but and I think there's women now girls now females now who have found it who have found that they, they that's a different form of expression where you're not learning someone else's move you get to do whatever you want mm. and there's a lot of freedom in that so then what was it like when it carries over into going into the the professional working room when you're in rehearsals and you're being told what to do all the time and everything is on cue that again is polar opposite to rocking circles in a club and from my experience what i found is a lot of uh freestyle 
dancers or hip hop dancers mm -hmm. and especially in the battle scene when it comes to being in a work environment they struggle with that because they're so used to doing what they want you know and they're so used mm. to making their own decision that when it comes to being instructed for nine hours a day for four weeks it, mm -hmm. th that's where they struggle did you find that difficult at first carrying over going into like a rehearsal or onto a tv set or uh, no, because I have, I was already in the process of learning choreography mm. through high school and junior high. So I was already training that, that skill set to learn choreography and pick up mm. choreography. Uh, and so my two worlds really combined. And I, I think, So I didn't have just a, a, a freestyle background. You know, I was learning how to dance and pick yeah. up choreography in a different way. So in high school, interestingly enough, I was, I had classes, composition classes, which taught me how to compose dance, meaning choreography, choreograph. you know, choreograph. Um, I also had an improv class and I learned how to, be okay with doing whatever I wanted with set parameters. The teacher would give us ideas and concepts to play with. And, and it's so funny. I look back and I'm like, who in the world had choreography classes and improv classes, freestyle classes mm. and learned how to dance and got to freestyle. You know, it's like, yeah. I had all these things. Like I was going to clubs at night, going to school, you know, all of these things, they, it, my life was like I'm I was geared set up my foundation was there for me to do what I do now mm. you know and this is the thing about looking back right and knowing life really has our back the universe really has our back if we're if we're listening if we're listening to what excites us and and moving into the opportunities instead of being scared of them you know mm. that's where life really unfolds um i don't know if i answered your question yeah <laughs> so you say about the the universe and it has your back um i want to know about the time where i guess um correct me if i'm wrong and I've, I've completely made this up but i'm sure i've seen it on your instagram a while back where you saved janet and the, you did a show and like the curtains didn't open or something was that Janet? Yeah. What what was explain that? Because I saw it before and I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a part in the bell rope show where I I come out of okay, so they have these big curtains. So it was kind mm -hmm. of like a, a not an intermission, but just a little transition where the curtains close so that they can have the blow up, not dolls, but like the blow up uh set why does it sound weird they, when you thought blow up dolls <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it was like not not but dolls they, not dolls not, not dolls, dolls not dolls <laughs> no but it's a big set so set pieces that blew up right uh -huh. um and it took some time to do that so the curtains would close and my my character would come out and kind of entertain the audience while the set pieces are being blown up so this is on live television hbo special in madison square garden and my job was to entertain the audience and then i poke my head 
behind the curtains to see how well they're doing. And they'd give me the thumbs up, they're ready. And then I do my little transition to leave. And the music cues are all there, you know, everybody mm -hmm. can see. Uh, so this is live television. And for whatever reason, they were having issues with the, the blow up set and it, w it was taking way longer than expected. So my transition, because I'm an improv freestyle dancer, I was okay with that. I yeah. just knew, okay, I gotta take a little bit longer. My character is is um, you know, silly. I had a silly, you know, fun character, and I really took it on as this kind of little mascot of the tour. And I just had to keep going. I had to get take take over Madison Square Garden, you know, um, and and keep keep them in, engaged and entertained. And uh, finally, I went. I looked back. I think a couple of times, and by the third time, I think they were ready. And I was like, "Okay, good." <laughs> Let's what, go. what, what was that initial thought process like? Did they say to you like, "Carry on," or did you just use your initiative and be like, "Okay, this is the Teresa show"? <laughs> <laughs> um, when it said they said carry on, I, that's what I did. You know, I was hungry. Yeah. I was really hungry. You give me give give me a little space, I will take it. I will go beyond it. Yeah. But that was my mentality. You know, people are afraid to even just take a little space, mm. you know, and then they, they wonder why things aren't working out. It's like, you know, I, I didn't see the little space and just fill that, you know, I saw the little space and I was like, Oh, okay, here we go. Let's do it. Yeah. That, that's an opportunity as opposed to a, yes. something to be afraid of. Yes. Mm -hmm. you, I guess where, where you get to express yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, because I was, I was, I was, I knew who I was and it's what I wanted to do. It was the most fun thing. And I mean, like you said, there's like thousands of people cheering. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> what, what was it like uh, working with Janet? Cause you were quite young when you were doing Janet, right? Was that, mm -hmm. I was, was about that near the beginning of your career. Yes. Yeah, so after Prince, so mind you, Prince was with Tina Landon, who had, who was already working with Janet prior to that. And then she got this job with Prince, and we did a few things in with him. And then some time goes by, and the audition for Janet Velvet Rope Tour happens. I made it all the way to the end. Um... They ended up doing promo tour and I was not a part of any of that. And I just thought, okay, well, it was good enough to get to the end. Like I, that's good enough for me. I got to the end. Christmas comes around. So they did that about four or five months. Christmas comes around. Tina Landon gives me a Christmas card. And in it, it said something like Janet and I were wondering if you'd like to be a part of the Velvet Road project. This is like dream come true. Right. And I'm crying. And I'm thinking to her, uh, and I said this to her, that's my favorite song. Oh my God, I cannot believe I'm going to get to do something to Velvet Rope because that was a song on Velvet Rope album, right? And another friend of ours that was there goes, Teresa, you know that's the tour, right? And I was like, oh, oh, I You just thought you were doing even... the track? Yes. Epic. <laughs> yes. Epic. And... The funny thing is, I don't know if I'm answering your question because now I'm rambling. Keep going. But, uh, <laughs> I'm excited. Look at my face. <laughs> so then 
you know, I go home for Christmas holiday, the vacation, and I'm telling everybody, I'm going to dance for Janet Jackson. And I start telling myself, I'm a Janet Jackson dancer, and I have not been in one rehearsal, okay? <laughs> yeah. So I come back from vacation, Christmas vacation, and my agent keeps calling me, telling me to go to auditions. And I'm thinking, why, why is she calling me? Doesn't she know I'm going to dance for Janet Jackson? You know, and I, to be, this is the, this is real talk. I felt my ego expand for the first time. Like I really felt this thing outside of myself. Like I'm better than mm. I started feeling that hadn't been in one single rehearsal, did not sign a contract, had not getting gotten a penny. Right. And I'm telling myself I'm better than because I'm a Janet Jackson dancer. I felt it. I felt mm. it. And then eventually I get into this conversation with my agent. I'm like, why do you keep telling me to do go to auditions? Like, and she goes, okay, well, they're having financial uh, contract things with the regular dancers. I don't think they're going to have enough money for you, to bring you on. Just that moment alone gave me a chance to reset and it popped my ego bubble. And I go, oh, okay, okay. Calm the fuck down, Teresa. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. <laughs> um, and I let it go. I let the job go. I was so grateful. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. It, I, I'm so happy. They they wanted me, and that's enough. Mm. And I let I let the job go. Funny enough, I actually started working in the industry a little more regularly. And I was in the middle of a job with Travis Payne. Stacey Walker for Drew Hill for the Soul Train Awards. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know who Drew Hill is. No, but I know who Travis Payne is. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so you're already in the right circle of Jacksons. Okay. <laughs> so yes, Travis Payne, a uh, legend. And I'm in the middle of those rehearsals. I get a page on my pager to call my agent. So I go to the payphone. I'm dating myself. This is 1997. Mm-hmm. I go to the payphone. I call my agent and they, she says, they want you to come. Janet and Tina want you to come to rehearsal. When can you come? And I'm like, oh, uh, I'm in the middle of a job. I can't leave it. Like we literally were about to perform in like two days. There was no way I could just bounce and do that to them. Mm -hmm. And so they graciously allowed me the time to finish that job. And they go, when you're done with rehearsals, go to Alley Cat. And, and start learning choreography. And so that was a freaking moment. And I remember walking into Alley Cat. For some reason, I gravitated towards Tice Diorio. Immediately in the room, Tice, it's like we locked eyes. And he was my buddy. He was my buddy. He was like my guy that helped me through that. But um yeah, and I started learning choreography, and I just thought, you know, I'm a swing, I'm a swing dancer. I got to fill in for Tina's spot while she was doing the creative stuff, and so she could stand outside of the the, the numbers and see what was really going on and or, organize everything. And eventually, she asked me to co help choreograph some sections, so I got to choreograph. I mean, that's kind of dope, of right? It's like <laughs> you're doing the tour, but you're a swing, so you bring us right. You're doing the job, so it's a win, yeah. but it's still that that slight ego kill, you know. But you've already had that popped, and then they go, "But you get right. to choreograph numbers." So you're like, "I've upgraded." 
You jumped right. the dancer section. Yeah, I actually, I didn't ever, to be honest, I never thought that. Really? No, once my ego was done, I was beyond thrilled and grateful to just be there. I didn't care what they gave me or what they told me to do. It would, the answer was yes. Mm. Yes, I can do it. And even if I couldn't, I was like, yep. Yes. Tell me what to do. Yes. <laughs> I guess for you having that, uh, the ego pop was kind of a blessing in disguise. Oh, that that was the, honestly the best thing that, and this is at the beginning of my career. So I was able to connect with people. And, and this is the funny thing. This is my first experience with fans. Mm. So once we did the rehearsals, we went to Europe straight away. And that's where we first started the tour. And this was my first experience with fans. And I'm so glad that I didn't have that ego to think that I was better than anybody anymore. Even other dancers that weren't a part of the job. I, I could connect and relate. And I've always kept that mentality since that moment. And as a teacher, I think it's really important. We, that's to teach that, that we're, we're, we're the same. Yeah, I can be the teacher and you can be the student, but that doesn't mean I'm better than you. Let's let, it's an exchange, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I always carried that with me and my experience on that, um, you know, it was up and down. It was up and down. It wasn't all roses and like dreamlike, you know, I suffered emotionally on that tour um, because there was a lot of personalities and I was young and I wanted to fit in and I was eager and, you know, I wanted to be accepted by everybody. And, you know, when you share space with other people for months at a time, it's hard. It's hard and people have their bad days and mm. they want to, they, they tell you fuck off and, like, okay, and, it, well. <laughs> and it's weird right because like for someone who i guess hasn't say you're for someone who's trying to break into this industry and you're like as soon as i get that job it's going to change my life and everything's going to be perfect like to hear that you're working with janet jackson you're traveling the world and you have up and down days like it it sounds like it's it's reality to us or once you once you're doing it but if you're hearing someone who's doing that or saying that it makes you go don't be so silly you can't have down days like you're living your dream you know but that's not the reality of what happens yeah yeah because your own your own needs right and desires of how it's supposed to play out is not reality and that's where that's the suffering is right realizing that these people that I looked up to idolize are human, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's I mean, why they say don't meet your idols, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. They do say that. Um, I don't think that's, a tr- I think there's a level of that that's true. I would say more true for recording artists than there yeah. are actors. Actors, I think, are a little bit more grounded. Mm-hmm. Um and more approachable in my experience. Yeah. Not to say that that's true or not, but in my experience, I have more connected, authentic conversations with, with actors than I do recording artists. Mm. It's really interesting. But, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I kind of went on a tangent. Um, what was your experience like then going to do ABDC with Beat Freaks? Because I guess from going from working these huge artists, you know, Prince and Janet, the two biggest artists on the planet at the time and probably in people's minds still to date, like to then go in and be in uh, on, a, I guess, a reality TV show as a competitor, as a non-professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that like? That, um, so I'd been a part of the Beat Freaks probably since 2002. We'd been the Beat Freaks and we would do, car we did a carnival, we did a couple of performances here and there, nothing major, but we would, we would practice together. We hung out, we were friends and sisters and, you know, it was really hard. The creative process was very difficult for us, but we all collectively decided to do season three of ABDC. And we were asked, I think we were asked to do season one and two. And we laughed those off. We were like, ha 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 ha, can you believe it? We would never do that. <laughs> and then it became and, one of the biggest shows on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. season three came and it was like, well, maybe, maybe, you know, and we, we all thought about it and we said yes. And at the time, Alison Falk, she was choreographing for Pink and went on tour with Pink when we were doing uh, ABDC. So we had to, we didn't have to, but we wanted to get in a seventh member because I think there was a limit or something. And we had always been working and teaching and mentoring B-Girl Shorty. Mm -hmm. So she was kind of like the next right fit. And we brought her on and she became official Beat Freak. And that was our, our first real creative process together was doing ABDC. Did you enjoy the process of doing the TV show? Because, I, I mean, correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, but in my head, I imagine it's quite manufactured, just like all the other reality TV shows, just like X Factor and America's Got Talent. There's always an agenda. It's not always what you see is what you get. Was it the same with this? Yes and no. So you're absolutely right. The, the TV show has their agenda but if you don't know again going back to really knowing who you are and we were very clear about our intention going in that we were going to be showcasing strong opinionated individual authentic women in the hip-hop genre right mm -hmm. we wanted to show that we didn't have to sell our bodies to be on the show Mm -hmm. and that we would we would make a lasting impression through our talent through our heart mm -hmm. right and that was super important to us um so regardless of the show having its own agenda and their own i mean i remember this one time i had a crick in my neck and so we always did um a day where they would interview us and tell us the challenge and it was like our tv day to set up for our performance at the end of the week right mm -hmm. and i had a crick in my neck so they wanted to create some drama out of that like it was some big deal and it wasn't it was just i could barely turn my neck it's fine right but they that, try to life. make it dance like yes it's fine right like mm -hmm. who cares but they try to make a story out of it and they had me sit on the side while everybody else is dancing and they asked me to look sad. They literally asked me to look sad. And I was like, no, 
because I'm not, because this is hilarious. And all I could do is laugh so they could never turn it into a story because it's not a story. It's freaking so what, you know, but we knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, we knew. So yeah, it was, it was hilarious. But um, the hardest part, I'll tell you the hardest part was the fact that we were seven really opinionated women right and mm-hmm. we hadn't figured out our our collective creative process so we weren't in a flow so to make up 50 second routine right now we put us together we can do that within an hour mm-hmm. back then it took us almost a week cuz we didn't have the system down we were figuring it out as we go and everyone was like well i like it and i don't like it well i can't do that and you can it was just like it was a lot but (laughs) and i did you find it hard going into doing a tv show like that after working as a professional dancer for such established artists and you know doing it as a job to then going into a i guess a competition kind of vibe because it's very different right even though it's still you're still Mm -hmm. doing tv gigs and stuff it's different because all the other times i guess you're selling someone else's product, you know, you're, right. you're, you're dressing for somebody else's show. Whereas where this is all about you and making mm-hmm. uh, your group as a standout as the artists, did mm-hmm. it feel like a different kind of pressure? I think collectively uh, there was pressure. There was pressure for sure. Um, but from my perspective, in my experience, it was just another thing to showcase dance. Mm. I mean, when I say I was focused and passionate about dance, I don't care what I, I don't care if it's a TV show. I don't care if it's a film. I don't care if it's live. I don't care if it's music video. I don't care if it's a competition show. I just want to dance. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Do you and then have- I got to do it with my friends. Yeah, which I guess is the win because you're selecting the people that that you're doing it with as opposed to being dumped with the people that the casting director or the choreographer chosen selected for you to spend months with. Yes, exactly. So that was the one of the best parts, even though it was a struggle for us to figure it out. We got to I we got to experience that together as sisters, as friends. Mm. What was the what was it like after doing the show? Because I guess you become like a household name. Like I knew Beat Freaks when I was 13 and I'm from Wales. You know, I couldn't have been further away from you. And I used to sit and watch MTV in the morning before school and be like, yo, check what they're doing with the ball. Like, and we'd be like mind blown that that was happening. So like, did it, did it resonate to you that like you were like global then, you know, before the social media era? Right. So social media in the sense of what we experience social media now like twitter just started around that time mm-hmm. so we we were doing a little bit of twitter but we didn't understand it right um as far as understanding the globalness of it i don't know if we really understood that because if you think I, of reality I, tv now and mm-hmm. the what what happens to the people that leave these shows now they're like mm-hmm. sensational world celebrities in our, in our dance right. world. You know, if you come off so you think you can dance for in the past 10 years, you're insta-famous, you know? Right. Whereas right. that wasn't a thing then. Right. 
you know so right. it's a different experience because you maybe you wouldn't have known that i was watching you the, the other side of the world at yeah. 13 because there's no way to communicate that right there there you're right you're absolutely right uh i think we had honestly we had people reach out to us i i don't know through what medium and we would find out information like oh you inspired me to or you inspired me my daughter you know we would get those stories but i i don't remember how that was filtered or or received yeah cuz like Cause, you would have had fans without knowing yeah you know yeah so yeah. i always think that's such a strange thing especially for like abdc was the show yeah <laughs> you know like for dance it, it was it was, it was Wade it was. Robson's project and abdc mm-hmm. for me, <laughs> like, they were my mtv fix for dance you know yeah 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 it was uh, a it was a beautiful moment for sure for sure um and then obviously over the past few years you've gone on to uh taking over debbie reynolds now called legacy mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. what made you want to do that uh it's so I really believe I was chosen to do it. Uh, it's not something I wanted to do. It was Debbie Reynolds chose me. I truly believe that. So there was one day I called my boyfriend and I said, hey, what do you think about starting a dance studio, maybe with a creative space? Or a creative space with a dance studio. That's exactly what I said. And he goes, well, what about Debbie Reynolds? And I said, well, I don't think it's for sale or anything. And he said, well, go on, uh, go on LoopNet, which is this commercial real estate website and see what's out there. I said, okay, cool. So I go on LoopNet. As soon as I got home, I put in the filters for sale, 10 mile radius, North Hollywood, right? Those were my filters and all these little red dots show up on the screen and I pick one. And the first one I pick is freaking Debbie Reynolds for sale and it had only been on the market for three days and i immediately knew that i was guided and this is for a reason i never thought i would participate in owning debbie reynolds like in a million years that wasn't even a dream it was just a thought oh what about a creative space with a dance studio and then the universe (laughs) goes here we go how about Debbie Reynolds, you know? Yeah. And the minute I saw it, I knew it was for a reason. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I just knew it was on purpose and for a reason. Bigger than myself. Hmm. And that's when I got together with Maris from Paris, who was in the Beat Freaks, and her husband, Austin. They were the only two other people in my vicinity, in my circle of friends that I, that I knew owned other businesses. And I felt comfortable connecting with them in that way. Mm-hmm. And we formed a business together. It eventually led to us leasing and taking over the business. Um, obviously, we got kicked out <laughs> a year later. Yeah. And and our friendship um, is we're no longer friends. Oh, that's it was, very sorry to hear. Uh, no, no, it's it's fine. I'm. It was a painful process for sure. I'm totally on the other side of that. And unfortunately, we were not moralistically or our values weren't in alignment. 
-hmm. And it really played a big part in a lot of resistance and tension and blame. So they would blame me for things and I would blame them for things. And in that space, we couldn't create. Mm. So we, that year went by really fast because we didn't, we weren't able to create, Mm. unfortunately. Um, And we lost the studio and so now, you know, we've been in two other studios since and we're because of the lockdown and COVID and all this stuff, we're doing classes at the park here in LA. Yeah. So I saw you post about that yesterday or today saying Marty's going to be teaching for it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. how how is it working now with classes in the park? Because I've seen quite a few studios saying like class in the park or class class outside in the parking lot. Is that the the way forward for a while, do you think, for how studios are going to run? I think so. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of our big studios outside of us have mm-hmm. closed. Yeah, because, I, is because it just of the lockdowns and Millennium and like Tim left, right? Millennium, I think T Millie, I think the playground is still open. Yeah. And then Chuck has one that was kind of on the newer end, Fusion Force. He's still got that going. Um, but everybody else, uh, KM, Blint, uh, 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 Movement Lifestyle, uh, The Edge, Edge, IDA, Spot, IDA, it's insane. It's absolutely crazy. It's so insane. What's the plan for the future for for Debbie's? Well, technically, we're not allowed to call ourselves Debbie's, mm-hmm. but it will always be Debbie's to us. You know, like is right. is I know because to us it's like that's what you're gonna know it as, right? <laughs> right. Um, because her son owns her name and her mm-hmm. estate, and we could not come to an agreement for licensing her name, so mm-hmm. we had to let go of her name. Um, and he he's trying to do his own thing in Las Vegas with her name, uh, mm-hmm. still, but you know, everybody knows. Roberta, right? She's part of the the history and the legacy mm-hmm. of of that studio. And anyway, but um, yeah, we we we've just been trying to get our feet on the ground again for the fourth time. It's been a test uh, for sure. Huh? I imagine it's been a test for sure. Yeah, but by this point, to be honest, we're like, okay. We're, we're honestly, we're like, okay, what what do we got to do? What, what what are we doing? Yeah. And then we just go in whatever the, re, whatever resources we have available, we're like, fine. Okay. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. It's been really, really nice because we're outdoors and the experience is completely different from being in a studio. There's no mirrors. You're on in nature the sun is setting. It's like really beautiful and a vibe. Yeah. So I'm really appreciating this moment now. We know that we can't do this for the long haul. So there is some planning we need to do on our end to see what would actually be next. And we actually, and we have to consider that this lockdown idea, this isn't going to be the last time. Oh, now, now that they've done it, right. They can do it whenever they choose. Yeah. They, they can make up any reason. At this point, the government can create or 
whatever they want to do. Dictate. If they want to dictate lockdowns. <laughs> uh, we will have to prepare for a version where it it allows us to continue regardless of the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever that looks like, we 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 need to start planning. And we we've, we've been slowly planning, but you know, um, we haven't lost sight of what our our big vision is. Yeah. What um for, since being in LA as a dancer for such a long time, one what, what differences have you noticed with the dance community there? Because I remember it being around two thousand and seven, two thousand and ten, where LA kind of came on the radar for me. And mm -hmm. what attracted me to it was I saw videos on YouTube of like Tucker in in Millennium. You know, there was like a I didn't really know what LA was. Obviously, I knew what it was, but I didn't know about the dance community until we had the internet. Was there such a siege of dancers traveling to the states or traveling to LA to dance before that, or did you notice the change because of that? You know, I don't know if I've ever thought about that, but I think you're right. I definitely know that because of YouTube, right, and the internet, that there was this transition of wanting to be a dancer and then it felt like all of a sudden people wanted to be a teacher mm. and skip the dancing part right there is mm -hmm. there's a group of teachers now that skipped the dancing part and went straight to teaching and i think the the you know youtube and and social media definitely played a part in that and it made things more, what's the word, accessible. Mm -hmm. So now if you lived in Europe and you saw someone teaching at, at Debbie's, like, oh, I know where to go. Mm. It's, not so, it's not so frightening to go to LA because you're like, well, people are taking classes at ML or Millennium or Debbie's. Yeah. So now I know I'm going to go rent a apartment and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take classes here, here, and here. And it doesn't sound as scary. And, and then on the flip side, if you live in Europe and you find your favorite teacher, you go back to Europe and you go, Hey, I know this teacher, we should bring them. And that exchange started to happen where now pe people were making a living at teaching, not even dancing, not, not doing a single gig. Their yeah. gig was being a dance teacher. I didn't fully uh, get into that place. I've taught since 2001. Well, actually before that, but um, I've been teaching for a long time mm. and I never got into that teaching, bring me out world. Yeah. It's like teachers I, I became a, a like a, again, like a celebrity in our, in yes. our industry, you know, like I remember yeah. like, seeing David Moore's like YouTube videos and he was like the yes. first person creating these visuals. And I was watching them the other day as well. Like, I think it was like 11 years old, him and Tanaka did like, I dare you. And I was like, wow, for back then, like, like you look at it now and it's cool, but you're like, we see this all the time. But then it was the first of something. So he, you know, he yeah. was flown to the UK to go to Manchester and things all the time. And then like Ian Eastwood would be getting flown around to teach these places. And they became, we knew them as uh, not just dancers, but as the teachers, you know? Whereas right. before, and before that, I feel like we always used to be like, if you go to a workshop, you would go, okay, 
well, uh, the the justified dancers are in town. We're going to dance for them. Mm-hmm. We might not necessarily know their name, but we know they dance for Justin, you know, and we would look right. at the credits and that's what decided what we take class. Whereas now I feel like we look at the name or again, the following where we said earlier, you know, that you monetize mm-hmm. that. Like we look at the other currencies that they would have mm-hmm. or the other credits to justify if we're going to take their their classes or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely changed and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's my, my, my thing though is, you know, if you did do that, if you did become a teacher and it's, and it's still working for you, great, you know, but it, I think there's always that piece for, for some people. I didn't, I didn't do it as a dancer mm. and it it's still gnaws at them. You know, yeah, still... I, I think on the flip side, it also goes the other way though. Right. Too. Cause like for, I, I can say for myself, I'd be like, look at my CV or my resume. Like I'm very qualified to teach, but mm-hmm. people hire the the studio teacher to go and teach how to be a professional dancer yet they've never been one instead of hiring right. me which has done it for 10 years you know right. so it's it's the flip side because then they might go yeah. well i never made it as a dancer and then i'm this side pissed because i'm like well i've yeah, done yeah. it as a dancer and why are you paying them and not me yeah yeah well they i mean the i mean for for people like us it's like <laughs> well we just gotta build that other side Mm-hmm. that awareness that's on us right so you would think that the credits would matter <laughs> yeah I, but i feel like they don't as much anymore they used to i don't i don't think they do i remember when i, I used to, be able to put, show some of my cv and they'd be like we want you at our school and now it's like oh cool and you're like oh okay <laughs> this is different <laughs> yeah yeah that's a huge yeah, change for me yeah um and then i have uh where did you look for where did you go to look for inspiration like as a dancer and as a performer were there certain people or things that like inspired you or if you couldn't find inspiration did you go well I know if I go here I'm going to be inspired or did you have places of inspiration that you went I think I was very very fortunate to live in the era that I did Hmm. because it allowed me to learn from the greats of the greats. Oh, and, sure. and because of that, um, you know, I've heard this thing about if you have too many options, it can paralyze you. Right. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't have as many options to learn from, I, back then your resume mattered. Back then, your skill level mattered. There's a reason why Jamie King is Jamie King. There's a reason why Tina Lennon is Tina Lennon. Marguerite Derricks, Kenny Ortega. They're the greats of the greats, right? Hmm. And thank God I got to learn from them. You know, and, and that being said, it's just, we're so inundated with so much information that who, who, how do you, how do you stay inspired? So for me, my inspiration was I looked up to the people that were literally right there and physically in my, 
for whatever reason, they were in my vicinity. You know, Lisette and Shonique were, were big inspirations for me. Even though we were in the same generation, I could recognize their female power and they were confident and artistic and creative. And there was, I gravitated towards people who really were strong, Mm. you know, and that's how I stayed inspired. And right now it's like everyone looks good. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone can dance. I don't know. I just, I feel like I was lucky to have really strong, powerful, the greats of the greats help me stay focused. And that, that really was my inspiration. Mm. But I'm saying, you know, there were times where I felt sticky and like not in flow and floating and feeling like my freestyle was the same thing I did yesterday. You know, when you, when you get kind of stuck and you're like in a funk, mm. I, uh, I just told myself, well, this isn't going to last. This is where I might be right now, but it's not going to last. I'll move through it. And, mm. and I just kept showing up. I just kept showing up. Yeah. Cause again, I wasn't good at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were. I imagine you just probably hadn't spent time doing anything else like you yes. had. Yes. Right? Exactly. Because exactly. I really think that if uh, we we as dancers have a, a, a ability to, you know, we learn how to, I don't want to say conform, but we're like chameleons, you know, we can adapt. Yeah. And then yeah. we can be the front runner, the front man, the front woman when we need to be. We can take charge when we need to be. We can take instruction when we need to be. So all of our skills that we use in our day-to-day life and all the ups and downs that we face in our career, like if you think of how many no's you've had compared to someone who's gone for job interviews at a bank, how much more resilience we have. Like mm-hmm. we always, like, and I always say it, or people go, you're a good dancer. And I go, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not good at maths. Like I can't do anything else. So <laughs> I can do this, right? Yeah. But actually yeah. our skill set compared to most people's is so strong, right? It's just, we've only focused it all into one place because our yeah. resilience and our ability to take instruction and then lead when we need to is, we do it far more than most of the businesses. That's really beautiful. I I completely agree. And that idea of being resilient, someone mentioned this to me the other day, and you're kind of reiterating it. You are reiterating it, is that resilience is a skill set. And we don't really know that. Mm. You have to build that kind of, that that callus of, okay, I got knocked down, but I'm going to freaking get back up. And you keep getting back up. But not everybody has that skill set and that callous to do that when they get knocked down it's it's oh shit well maybe i'm not good enough they start questioning who they are because again they don't know who they are mm. they don't have the foundation that's cemented going no i'm fucking really good mm. and this is my passion and this is what i'm going to do they get one rejection and you're like oh well maybe it's not for me this is but, really, you know, it's really painful. It's, even if it's not, I'm really good. But the the grit, determination to get to say I'm gonna be really good. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Nope. There's a guy, there's a guy that take class, takes class for like at legacy. And over the years, I cannot believe his progress. It's insane. He has gotten so good. That's resilience and that's determination and that's focus. So imagine someone who actually is at a better skill level than he is with that kind of determination. Game over. Mm. Um, do you think LA is the like the dance hub of the world? Mm. because now we have obviously social media we have the ability mm -hmm. to um, copy or be take inspiration mm -hmm. or learn a, uh, or be inspired by a way of moving and i guess be influenced to take that and manipulate it and mold it so someone in japan could do the same thing and then add what they've liked here and do it there now we don't need to travel to get the resources that we need do you still think la is the hub for dance and especially as now la is full of lots of people that aren't from la right well and and then top it off our dance studios have closed so <laughs> yeah um i think i think there is a it, there is still some centralized version of LA, whether it's online or in person, that people will continue to gravitate towards only because the entertainment business is here in LA, mm -hmm. right? But the idea of getting resources and learning, you can do that from anywhere now. Mm -hmm. And especially after this year, especially after this year, people have moved back home, you know, uh, the, the jobs have, you know, gone down by a lot because our business has been affected by COVID. And I think, I think the train of you can still live in your country and get the same level of, of training from an LA person or that level, um, it already existed. Mm -hmm. And now it's on a different track. Now we're going into a different track. So LA is still, I would say there is some hub of it because the entertainment business is here. Mm. So if there's an aspect of people wanting to dance for Rihanna or being in a commercial or being in a film, I mean, there are commercials and films in your country. You don't have to come to LA for that. But if there's a, a, a different idea of that, a different idea of that experience. LA is still going to be here, mm. you know, um, and eventually that business will come back. But right now you can, I mean, there's some really talented, including yourself, people who experienced LA go back and you have all this wealth of knowledge and experience and your, your level was heightened because you were here, right? Mm. You go back and now you heighten the level of the yous that are coming up, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a trickle effect where they, the, the people coming up underneath you don't necessarily have to experience LA to be at your level. Mm -hmm. All they need to do is learn from you. Yeah, and take the skills that I learned from your Devin Jameson's or your Misha Gabriel's right. or, you know, they don't need to be in 
the exact room to get that skill because I've maybe learned a variation right. of, that, of some of that skill, made it my own and passed it on. Right. For sure. Um, I've noticed you today on Instagram, you got a certificate. Mm-hmm. What have you been doing? <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah. Because you've just so... been telling me how you're only good at dance. So this is right. not true, apparently. <laughs> well... I have been transitioning and in the transition process of really owning the identity that I'm stepping into the self-development world as a coach, as a teacher, guide, mentor. And the part that I want to step into is using my experience as a successful dancer and choreographer, using that to help teach others one we 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 have our individual dreams and that they are for us right so mm-hmm. i had my dreams i had my dreams and i was able to live them and there's a process to do that looking back i'm like oh this is what i did right so i'm in the self development world wanting to show and teach others that they they are they have the power to live that mm-hmm. and that their greatness really lies in the unknown of experiencing their dream and that takes a lot of confidence and focus and clarity so my my certification i got certified as a high performance coach through the high performance institute which was created and founded by uh, this guy named Brendan Bouchard. And his work is phenomenal. His books are amazing. His courses are amazing. This framework that I learned, I learned it in 2018, but my life had exploded. So I wasn't ready to actually utilize it because I needed to put my life back together. Now that I'm two years later, I'm getting recertified. This framework is actually, absolutely incredible and i'm want to be in the space for dancers to help them level up their their life mm-hmm. you know and be feel fulfilled and satisfied and have a clear vision of where they're going because everybody's grabbing straws right now well maybe tiktok will work and maybe this will work and maybe uh, if i post a quote this will work it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> calm down <laughs> What do you want? (laughs) How how do you plan on coaching people? Do you plan on doing like a a mentorship program or one-to-one like counseling kind of thing? Like how do you plan on doing it? So I have three things that I really want to focus on first. And that's, I want to offer one-on-one coaching through this program, through certified high-performance coaching, which is its own framework that I learned. Mm -hmm. And I want to offer that on its own. I also want to do group coaching through this framework, certified high performance coaching. And I'm going to start doing next year in January, I'm going to be doing a manifestation monthly where it's a subscription base. You can join anytime and we'll do an hour and a half, two hours. I teach principles on manifesting, whatever it is you want. I'll teach those principles. And then if people have questions about how to do that for themselves, we can start using those principles and see how they apply to 
a person's goal or dream mm. because we we are manifesting constantly we just don't know it and we don't know how we're doing it so there's moments where you go oh my god i got that thing that i got that thing that i wanted and then the next day you go oh i got rejected over here my relationship is amazing but my finances are terrible or you know, I'm living my dream, but I, I don't have my house. You know, it's like we're, we have, you know, it's all areas of our life. We can really step up and, and ask for what we want. Mm. We're, we're, we're so afraid to even say what we want. Or to step in towards the direction of getting what we want, you know, right? like, uh, it's that's, I'm sure it's like maybe a quote or a saying, but like 20 minutes doing something is better than 20 hours thinking about doing something. You know, we spend so much That's time procrast good. procrastinating as opposed to like taking a step towards doing something. Exactly. Because there's exactly. the fear of it not working or the fear of it being judged yes. or rejected. Yes. Yep. So I want to utilize my background and my experiences to help show others that it's possible. This is all possible. Mm. This was my life, this was my journey. But there are things meant for each person they, they don't even realize are miraculous, beautiful, incredible experiences waiting for them. It's, that doesn't even, that doesn't, that thought doesn't even enter most people's minds. Because all they do is live their day every day as the same day, right? Oh, I got to worry about how I pay my bills and, um, you know, I'm on un unemployment and what am I going to do? The industry is down. You know, it's like all this stuff. It's like, wake up. We have the power. It, who cares? We're on unemployment. Thank you. Thank you for the free money. <laughs> You'll pay it <laughs> That's back what I'm eventually. saying. <laughs> yeah, probably back. <laughs> through taxes. Yeah. Um, but you know, thank you for the money. Thank you. Now I'm going to see what I have available. What are my options and go create. You either are stuck as a victim or you go create the life, hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. Make moves. Mm -hmm. um, I asked this to every guest. Well, everyone is a dancer anyway. Um, if aliens came from outer space, which 2020 could happen at any time, they come out of space. They've got or they gun, have already. Or they have already. <laughs> or they have already. Um, and they've got a little gun and they're going to zap you and make the whole world disappear unless you give them your definition of a dancer. So you have to give them one person that defines dance to you. It can be anyone. And you have to give them and they have to accept it. And that determines whether we disappear or not. Give them a person. Mm -hmm. So you're saying like the quintessential dancer. Yeah. So, but to you, so everyone's definition I mean, of a dancer is going to be slightly different, right? Cause it's going to be right. based on preference or influence. What would yours be? Who would you give?
after this conversation, I'd probably give you, but <laughs> so you, okay. need make, you need to yes. make a decision quick before I give you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, a dancer to me is. Oh man, that's that. Wow, what a good question. This is hard. Um, they are connected in in mul multiple layers, right? And what I mean by connected is they're connected to themselves. They're connected to if there's music, they're connected to the music. They're connected to their environment, and through all of that connection, they allow themselves to shine. Mm -hmm. They allow themselves, whatever is moving through them, they allow themselves the freedom to express it as fully as possible. So if that was a person, who would it be? Uh, I'd have to say Prince. Nice. Mm -hmm. He's, nice. He was the best answer. And and you first hand artist. experience. Yeah, well <laughs> with lot with <laughs> lots of other people to choose from as well, to be fair. Yeah. So no, that's he, he to me, he is the quintessential vibration of full expression. Mm. As a musician, as an artist, as a dancer, as a performer, there was no part of him that was untrue in hit in him sharing his craft. There's not an ounce of insincerity. It was like this is it for the day. Mm. You like it or don't? It undeniably himself. Undeniably. That's dope. Yeah. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for your time. I know you have thank another you. live chat in ten minutes. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for keeping okay. you for so long. No. This is the problem. I like to talk. Okay? Me too. So. That's why I do this. Me too. It makes my yeah. evening. Yeah. How long have you been doing this? Three years. So you'll be number. Oh. You'll be episode one hundred and twenty-nine, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So I've had is great this... people. I had Super Dave, Pop and Pete, Marty, uh, Eddie Morales, lots of wow. wonderful people. So I have another wow. one to add to the list. Oh, awesome! Well, thanks for having me. My I pleasure. Really Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um. Hopefully one day we'll be in the same room together again. Fingers crossed. Sooner than later. Let's, yes. pray, for, let's pray for 2021. I'm going to have lots of faith about 2021. Yeah, me too. I'm going to have a gin for it tonight. <laughs> good luck. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I wish you, you all the thank best. You. And I hope to see you soon. Okay. Thank You're amazing. You. Bye. You're amazing. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends and family. One love. Peace. The Ins and Outs podcast with your host, Kane.